Hey guys, welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Bill Simmons' Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast is officially out. This new podcast extends and reinvents his New York Times number one best-selling book from 2009 and breaks down the NBA's most important games, players, and teams. Starting with Steve Kerr in the premiere episode, Bill's using new commentary and fresh interviews to determine how the league has evolved and where it's headed. The first four episodes are out now wherever you get your podcasts and will continue on a weekly basis. Check out The Book of Basketball on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dish. I am Juliette Littman, and it is Christmas season, basically. Thanksgiving hasn't started yet, but if you go to Starbucks, you are assaulted with red signs and red cups. That certainly means Christmas season. And if there is one movie that has come to define Christmas season of the last 15 years, I think it's Love Actually. Sure, there's plenty of other ones out there, but Love Actually is definitely one that is discussed on the internet a lot. And I've, it turns out that here at The Ringer, we have many varying opinions about Love Actually, and we are digging into them today. We're going to have a Love Actually roundtable. You could call it a forum. Basically an airing of urgent opinions and grievances, some particularly spicy. We are going to get into all of them, and we are starting with my colleague, Jordan Liggins. Jordan likes this movie. Hi, Jordan. Hi. I have a feeling we're going to be hearing from many people who have bones to pick. But I want to start by talking about why love actually is good because it is really popular. I've long held the theory that it is more popular with men than women. Ooh. Which we could get into in a minute. But That's I want to know why, why you particularly like it. Well, I just love it because we have nine different love stories. Nine. Yes. And first, let me start off by saying I live for holiday ensemble movies. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite other than Love Actually? <laughs> well, I have to confess, I saw Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, and Mother's Day. Oh, my God. All in theaters. So any holiday, not just Christmas. <laughs> yeah, any, any holiday, holiday you're down for. Okay. <laughs> With ensembles, where you're just on the edge of your seat, just not knowing how all of these connect. I live for that. Okay. But Love Actually, it just shows all the different types of love. And I'm a helpless romantic. <laughs> So I just eat all that sappy stuff up. We have the love that was lost, the forbidden kind of love. Which one is that? Well, there's a lot, a lot of, of them. them. A lot of them are forbidden. <laughs> a lot of them are kind of forbidden. You know, you have the secretary, and then you also have like the uh, Keira Knightley and yeah. sign guy. Yeah, sign love, guy. Where it's like, I love you, but I can't. Totally. And then you have the innocent love through a child's eyes, which is like. Oh, that one is so presented nice. in such a weird way where it's like, yeah, my mom died, but I'm actually upset <laughs> about how much I love this girl in my class, this American girl. <laughs> it's a weird one. That's, it is the, weird. that's the thing. Like, but this is why I wanted to talk about it with you because it's such a pleasant movie. Yes. But when you like actually like scratch below the surface a little bit, you're like, yeah, wait, don't do what? That. Yeah, don't do that. Wait, what? You yes. can't you can't look too deep at it because it's it <laughs> a lot of them are kind of we will we yeah. will be going deep on <laughs> on some of those, but not yet. Right now, we're celebrating love. Actually, yeah, we're celebrating, and also like the familial kind of love with, between siblings, and like that powerful love. And I I just love the different. I have a question for you. What's yes. the relationship between Emma Thompson and Liam Neeson? Um, they're just friends. Are they just friends? Yeah. Because my guess is that she was friends with his, his wife, wife, and then mm-hmm. they just became really good friends. Because it, when I was doing a rewatch, I was like, "Wait, did I miss that they're also siblings?" But I don't think so. <laughs> that but, would be a good plot. Emma twist. Thompson and Hugh Grant are siblings, right? This is one of the only movies where I don't know like a single character's name, like, right? At I, all. I don't either. They just go by the. Their I remember name. Jamie because the the kids they're like, "I hate yeah, Uncle Jamie." I hate Uncle Jamie. <laughs> and it, it is really cute. <laughs> that is that's a good part. And 
I don't know. It's not the best Christmas movie, but I think it's a Christmas movie that starts the holiday season. Spelled (laughs) S-Z-N. I agree with that. For some reason, it's become like the defining holiday movie of like the last, well, it came out in 2003. So like the last 18 years, 17 years. I kind of don't exactly know why. One of my hypotheses is I do think men like it more than women because it's sort of like, there's a lot of, like, male power happening yeah, in it. there is. There is. And I feel like it's a movie that men are like, yeah, it's good. Like, they'll, like, concede. Not to not to play too much into gender norms, but they'll concede, like, yeah, that movie's good. Yeah. So I that, can see that. So then it becomes, like, a movie that men and women watch together, and it's not just, like, a chick flick, and it's, right. like, like, a Christmas movie for everyone. Right. And I think it has some key components of holiday movies. Like what? You know, well, there's love, obviously. Of course, love. And love, actually. Love, actually. And, you know, British accents. I want every holiday movie to be in London. That's just a staple me for too. me. And then there's, like, the power dynamics. So we talked about power, royalty with someone falling in love with someone, quote-unquote, normal. Sure. Like, Natalie is my favorite character in the whole movie. Why did know. that actress have a better career? It's very confusing. Her, she did so well. She, she in the movie. Yeah, yeah, in the movie. And then Martine McCutcheon didn't hear a lot from her after that. I guess she was famous in the UK. She was on EastEnders. Um, but— not a lot of hits coming out to the U.S. Not a lot. <laughs> I, I haven't heard from her really since Love Actually, essentially. She's kind of known for that. But that's a good role to be known sure. for. I it's, mean, it's, it's iconic. And, you know, just the, that whole power dynamic is really popular. See Christmas Prince or Prince for Christmas. Sure. Like that, that's really the, the good staple. Then there's always a journalist or a writer. There's always, always. a journalist or a writer. And I feel seen. Sure, that's that's our field, yeah. That's the thing that we do. And then there's an airport chasing scene on Christmas Eve. It's pretty emotional. It's iconic and necessary. I think the kids' storyline is by far the best one. Yeah, it it is. is. It's really cute. It's also the watching the bonding between Liam Neeson and Jojen Reed. I just call him by his Game of Thrones name. (laughs) Like, that is really—I think his name is Max, actually, although I have have no idea. He's just (laughs) Jojen Reed. I think that is actually really, really cute. Also— When Olivia Olsen, the actress who plays Joanna, sang the Mariah Carey song, which is the most popular Christmas song of all time. Of all time. All I Want for Christmas is You. She killed it. She She killed it. It's like maybe better than like 75% of the covers of that song, of which there are many. Of course, Mariah is number one. Of course. But that was like actually shocking. I remember going home. I was in high school. Logging on to Kazaa. Did you ever use Kazaa? No. It was like a way to download music illegally. And down and like searching for the Olivia Olsen version of that song. Yes. A couple of facts about her. Oh, hit me. She did a practice run of that. And the producers actually had to dumb it down, like make her sound worse. Really? They didn't think it was going to be believable of how good she was. Really? And then Homegirl was just on X Factor UK Celebrity. She was? Which celebrity is being <laughs> used really loosely. <laughs> and she got voted off in the first week. But I don't Ouch. think she would have gotten voted off if she sang All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah, maybe she did the wrong song choice. Yeah, I think Wait, so. Wait, so she just earnestly went on X Factor UK. Yes. Just because she likes to sing and her career didn't take off. Yeah. And celebrity because she's like still singing and she does a lot of singing, I think, on Adventure Time, which is very interesting. But this is pretty devastating (laughs) and and just really upsetting. So she's like a voice actress, but not even a successful one is what you're saying. Right. So they use celebrity, I think, only because she was in this movie. Yes. Wow. It is. It's kind of funny how it's like this iconic movie that does have a lot of big stars like Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. And Keira Knightley. 
Martin Freeman, Andrew Lincoln, who I don't even, I forget, he's sign guy, but he, yeah. was, but he was in The Walking Dead, which I like know. is one of the most popular shows, though I, I don't mess with zombies, so right. it's not for me. Not for me. Um, and then, of course, Alan Rickman, Bill Nye, Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant, Billy Bob Thornton, like so many stars. So many stars. But I don't really think of this as being like the defining movie for any of them. Right. <laughs> and like, I definitely forgot True Tell Edgefor was in this movie for a very long time. Yes. Basically until like during all the press for 12 Years a Slave, people like really wanted to talk about it, talk about it again. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. I forgot. Which it's hard to forget the hot pink shirt. I know. The hot pink tie and the purple suit. I know. Which was he chose for his wedding day. I think that he's the most underrated character in this movie. <laughs> he seems like a great guy with a with bad taste in friends. Yes. Just really bad friends. And then Kira Knightley's sweater wedding dress was a was a choice. She looks shockingly beautiful in this movie. <laughs> However, her wardrobe is awful. Yes. Awful. Another the fun cor- fact the for hat. Yes. Hit me. The hat was because she had a pimple on her forehead because she was only 17 when she was filming this movie. So she was a baby. She was a child bride? She was a child bride. <laughs> okay, don't think about Don't think about Oh my God. Much. That just adds to the more <laughs> fucked upness <laughs> of this movie though. I know, I know. You can't dive too deep on, on everything. We're, we're staying surface. The deep dive is coming in a minute. But I do think like there's something to be said for just like the joy of watching a lot of great actors. Yes. Like, it's just fun. It is fun. And it feels like we kind of just pop into these characters' lives just around Christmas time and then we kind of just pop back out. Yeah. But it's really fun to just watch them do their thing. It's good acting. You can't deny that. It's true. And it gets you all in your feels. I know. It. That's the thing. Like, ultimately, I love a movie that's like gives you a feeling and this yeah. gives you like a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. It's like, and when you, it when you watch it for the first time in like November, December, whenever, before Christmas, it's like, like having like your your favorite blanket yeah. over you. I was all cuddled <laughs> up. I was like, oh, it's time. Like, it's about to go down. All the Christmas movies are about to come after this. So what's your second favorite storyline? Just just out of curiosity. My second, oh, because I said the first one is Natalie and yeah. Hugh Grant. I think the second one would be Sam and his dad and his dad and Joanna because he's so just cute. like love. It's like also, I'm so it's torn the least up about it. That's ultimately the least messed up story. Yes, it's the one that's like the easiest to root for. Yes, the other one, the other two that are also uncomplicated, but they're actually sad are Laura Linney and her brother. And it's like really, it's just, yeah. that's like, that's like a, the absolute saddest one. Definitely. And it's just sad. the other one that is also like just a huge bummer, but also uncomplicated is Emma Thompson being cheated on by her husband. I know. Like that just sucks. And like, who doesn't really love Emma does. Thompson? I know. Although I don't see uh, Last Christmas. It will make you like her a little bit less because oh. the movie's so bad. Oh no. But okay. that's, Scratch that, off that the aside, the, like <laughs> I think those are the three uncomplicated stories. And one of the reasons why this movie is good is it's not all happy. Like, like, it right. shows you—there are, like, a couple of heartbreakers. I actually fast-forwarded through Laura Linney and Rodrigo Santoro because I, I found it—I found their awkward sex scene, which then culminates in her on the phone with her brother, just, like, too uncomfortable it's and sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's, it's just really—it's really, depressing. It's very depressing. It really is. And then the Kelly Clarkson song comes on. I love the trouble with love is, but it's just the whole thing. The whole the thing, thing is just sad. And she's just like, no, I'm not busy. I have nothing. I'm not have nothing going on. And, and like, you're just like, oh my god! You've waited Carl, for this for so long. Carl's finally there. Carl, Put the Carl. phone down. It's just re- I know. And it's he's just so really cute. Upsetting. And he's just like those little glasses. I know. And they both just really loved each other. And I know. Yeah, it's really tough. Let's let, end on a positive. Before, okay, great. <laughs> I just want to say another good thing that's impressive about this movie is actually the way that the stories are weave, like woven together. Yes. Works pretty well. It doesn't like beat you over the head of it, over the head with it. And a few of them are confusing, like the porn actor stand-ins. I still don't really understand. Yeah. But was, 
<laughs> but in general, it's like pretty effective at how it brings the, the stories together. Definitely. And I think the first time that you watch it, you are trying to guess and you are trying to be like, you know, um, with Laura Lenny's character, you're like, oh, is she already married? Like, who is on the other phone? Like, why does she keep, have to keep answering the phone? You are trying to guess how they're going to all connect. And I just think that's really fun. And that's I agree. why I like these movies so much. Jordan, thank you so much. I think you're representing for a very large faction of Love Actually viewers. Great. And now <laughs> we are going to talk to some of our colleagues about some uh, maybe less popular but urgent opinions about this movie. First up, we have Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, hello. Hello, Juliet. We're gathered here today to talk about Hugh Grant's speech a lot when he basically rebukes Billy Bob Thornton's American president, yes. correct? I mean, uh, there are some issues with the entire Hugh Grant plotline. I'm just going to say <laughs> it's, a, it's a pre-Me Too plotline. Sure. There are some questionable or just straight-up wrong power dynamics in play here. It's just also, even for a workplace relationship, which, you know, I'm not going to ban them outright, but this isn't the model that you want to follow. It's not the only inappropriate workplace relationship. There's, That's true. There, this is actually a movie of, of workplace relationships. A real case study in how times have changed. And they all are men in power yeah. having relationships with women who are not ranking as high in the company as they are. The most equal relationship is um, Martin Freeman and his fellow porn actress. Right. That's the porn stand-ins. Yeah. So that's where we are on the gender and relationship dynamics in love, actually. However, somehow, that's not what I want to discuss. My issue with the Hugh Grant speech is that I basically think it caused Brexit. Okay. Now, let me set the scene. Please do. In addition to Hugh Grant having an inappropriate and, like, frankly, immature crush on his assistant, it's yeah. like he's never really interacted with a person, even though he is the prime minister of the UK and is clearly based on Tony Blair, who has a very personable, media-friendly vibe. At the time he did, yes. Yeah. And also, they show Hugh Grant dancing around. Like, he is a, a charming person who can interact with people. But somehow— I say, the dance, crucially, comes after he gives his speech. He's actually— I think, empowered by the speech. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. So he, in addition to having this inappropriate crush, he's also struggling with, he has an important summit with the United States. Yeah. And Billy Bob Thornton plays the president. Yes, Billy Bob Thornton. It's, it's peak smug Billy Bob. It's pretty good. He doesn't have to do much. Yeah, it's great. He just has to look like a jerk. And I have to say, this is in 2003, and it's, like, pretty close to Tony Blair and George Bush. It's like if George Bush were really, really the worst version of himself. Yeah. Um, I mean, this the Iraq war has already, has already yes. started. So. Th though I don't think that this speech is, like— just time-wise, I don't think it can be responding to the politics of no. the weapons of mass destruction and the U.S. bringing the U.K. into sure. the Iraq war. Though, in retrospect, also a problem. But here—anyway, I'm getting to my— getting the, to my the, the point is George Bush grievance. is disliked. Yes. And so Hugh Grant is trying to negotiate the, quote, special relationship, as it is known, between the U.S. and the U.K. And he has a—he kind of gets pushed around in the meetings— by Billy Bob Thornton playing an American, which, you know, history would indicate that that probably happens a lot. And then there's a whole thing where Billy Bob Thornton as the president makes a pass at the assistant who Hugh Grant has a crush on. So I guess he's both Bush and Clinton. Whatever. <laughs> Inappropriate. Amalgam American. Sure. And so because of this, Hugh Grant is inspired to make a speech at a press conference. It's a joint press conference. They're asked how it went. And... Billy Bob Thornton, as the U.S. president, says that it's very satisfactory. We got what we came for, and our special relationship is still very special. 
And Hugh Grant looks at his assistant, who he loves, in the crowd. Really tough. I'm just, I didn't write it. And then he decides to give a speech about Britain's place in the world. And this is the speech that he gives. We may be a small country, but we're a great one, too. Country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter, David Beckham's right foot, David Beckham's left foot. That was my favorite part. Carry on. A friend who bullies us is no longer a friend. And since bullies only respond to strength, from now onward, I will be prepared to be much stronger. Okay. Great speech writing. Yes, it I basically was, have— it was, it was a great speech. He delivers it really well. He's not aggro in when he delivers it, so it comes off as, like, charming and British, particularly to American ears. It is like a British Sorkin-y moment, right? Yeah. In that it's reference-heavy idealism— belonging to a, a, a vision of a country that you uh, still believe in and think has power. And it's also just really quotable. I think of David Beckham's le- right foot, David Beckham's left foot all the time. It's very funny. Head, being delivered by Hugh Grant. So this is just the kind of thing that in a movie as ridiculous as popular as Love Actually gets lodged in people's heads and subconsciously they start thinking about the power of Britain and the individual value (laughs) that it brings to the world. And in 2003, you're playing this a lot and it gets lodged in people's heads and 15 years later, it leads to a really, really simplified understanding of Britain's world power and what Britain should do in order to maintain that power and preserve its, quote, historical values and place in the world. And here we are with a bunch of dummies voting for Brexit. There we go. I don't I don't have a lot to refute this with. I, okay. w- I will say there's a political undercurrent from the very beginning, since it has, like, this weird footage at the airport. It is also very— um, multicultural, the sort of the picture of Britain they're trying to depict, which I think in retrospect, that has also pushed people towards extremism. Yeah. But I I think you make a fair case. There we go. Okay. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, I admit that this movie still made me cry, but... uh, Do you still like this movie? Yes. I actually like it more now. I I thought it was really overrated, but I actually like it more now. I think you and I have recently seen a lot of Christmas movies that are trying to capitalize on the spirit of love, actually, and fail. It's successful. Yeah. It's, and I definitely cried so much. I have seen it a million times. I know the various scenes. I like all the actors in it. I like the idea of Britain at Christmas time. It's unbelievably problematic and has ruined my brain as well as the brains of everyone in the world, sure. as evidenced by this take I just gave. But... Do I like it? I like watching it, sure. There's nothing wrong with liking Love Actually. I know it's bad for me. How about that? <laughs> I don't even think it's bad for you. It definitely is like I a- think it's bad for me. I literally just did a whole thing. It's really bad for everyone. We're in an international crisis. The markets are going to crash. I refuse to give Love Actually that agency. Okay. We are not in an international crisis because of Love Actually. Okay, well, that's fine. It, <laughs> might, it might be a piece of a cultural fabric that spun out of control or unspun, but I wouldn't say Love Actually on its own is why we the world is where it is. Well, it's not helping. Okay. I, I actually don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> it's a, but it is prob- It is def- The relationship's very problematic. Okay. I just wanted to, I was told to bring a grievance or a thought, and this is my grievance. Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you, Juliet. That's a lot to consider, and I hope that you will continue to consider it for a long time. This is an important movie, and who knows? Maybe it is a major catalyst in our current geopolitical state. Who's to say? Think about that. In the meantime, I'm now joined by the ringer's Andrew Gordadaro to talk about Sign Guy, a.k.a. The Walking Dead Guy, (laughs) a.k.a. Andrew Lincoln. Andrew, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. 
I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm so glad to hear it. You're just like Barack Obama. <laughs> um, I <laughs> Sign Guy has become one of the most memed parts of the Love Actually universe. Yeah. And in fact, The Ringer had a really funny Sign Guy tweet the other week with a Kenny Atkinson, the coach of the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> holding up a sign. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I find Sign Guy, first of all, when I did a rewatch, Sign Guy does his sign move way later into the movie than I realized. I just thought like, it happened a lot sooner. Sign Guy is kind of inexplicable. In case you don't remember, he is the best friend of Chiwetel Ejiofor, who has married Kira Knightley. And he's really rude and cold to Kira Knightley. And then one day she shows up at his house and um, she's like demanding. For some reason, he's both their best friend <laughs> and he was the videographer at their wedding. And he's, Well, there's some, there's some detail there that I, I'll get into. Okay. So anyway, he has the video of their wedding, but it turns out when she watches the footage in this ambush, it's just footage of her. And it's basically like a perfume ad of like starring Kira Knightley, but it's her, her wedding <laughs> yeah. footage. And it's awkward. He like leaves the apartment. He's like, sorry, it's all self-preservation. And then he leaves. They don't speak until it's Christmas Eve. And he knocks on her door and... Lo and behold, Kira Knightley answers and um, he starts playing Christmas carol music. She yells into say, oh, it's carolers and Chiwetel Ejiofor never comes to the door mm-hmm. and then he holds up the signs. <laughs> Andrew, what do you think about this, this move and sign guy? This man is the villain of the movie. Oh! Even more so maybe than Alan Rickman who cheats on Emma Thompson, which is a grave sin. This guy sucks. I can't stand this guy. What's your biggest problem with sign guy? <laughs> All right, well, I mean, beyond the fact that he's Betraying his best friend just in broad daylight for an entire movie. It's pretty weird. Pretty, pretty weird. And also, like, some of his explanations, like, just don't make sense. And why didn't Chiwetel Ejiofor dig deeper and ask, what's your problem with my girl? It does need to be said that Chiwetel Ejiofor is, like, the most oblivious person in this movie. Yes, 100%. Um, When the whole sign thing happens... And she says, oh, it's carolers. And he says, well, like, pay him and tell him to leave. And then she doesn't do that, and she stands at the door for about, like, 10 more minutes. He doesn't come, and he's, he doesn't come to the door. He's not like, hey, what's going on? How can he not come to the door? It doesn't make any sense. Also, the carol music that Mark, who is played by Andrew Lincoln, the carol music that he chooses as his cover has piano in it. <laughs> so it's not like, <laughs> like they don't bring pianos to do carols. I don't know if Mark is aware of this. And another thing about the whole video thing, which is just super weird. like Super weird. I've got questions about that. The thing and why Keira Knightley is so keen to see that video is because their wedding video person messed up and <laughs> did a bad job. So he wasn't even asked to video the wedding. He just brought his own camera and was videoing her the entire time. That's super so creepy. Weird. That's what super the hell? Like, cre- <laughs> who shows up to a wedding with a video camera? <laughs> if any of my friends come to my wedding with their own video camera and are filming my new wife for the entire time, like, I'm gonna have to have a conversation with them. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, if anyone came, you'd just be like, "What are you doing?" doesn't make make sense. And then did he think that they wouldn't notice that he was filming and they were never asked to see the footage? Like, was he just planning to have this as like his part of his own personal archive? Like these, it's like, that's the kind of thing that you do when you you visit. And it's like, that's like when you visit Los Angeles once and you take all these pictures of celebrities that you've seen at dinner and you're like, oh my God, remember my great (laughs) trip to LA? This is a photo of someone I don't know, but it's okay that I took this picture because they're mega famous. This is fucking weird. Like just for his personal use. I mean, it's creepy. Let's not follow that any further. 
It's just really weird. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to. And then after she watches the video, he goes, "Oh well, you know, it's really bad. It needs some editing." And it's like, dude, you edited the shit out yeah. of that already. Like yeah. it's in slow motion. <laughs> like there's music behind it. Like you fixed this thing. I don't know how because it's on VHS, but he already spent a lot of time working on that video. 100%. It's really awkward. And then there's some logistical questions. Like, how could he have been sure yeah, that, that Keira Knightley would open the door? Yes. That's, I mean, that's the biggest question, right? Yeah. What's his plan if Chiwetel opens the door? He has a bunch of giant signs in his hand that are clearly announcing his love for Chiwetel's wife. Yeah. And he has a boombox. So what does he say if Chiwetel opens the door? He's got nothing. No no backup plan. It's really, they just do it for Chiwetel and just be like, hey man, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's a funny joke that I thought I'd do. The odds of Chiwetel opening the door also seem really high, right? Yes, like, extremely high. It's his just home. at night, I'm probably opening the door of my apartment. Sure. At all times. You know? If yes. it's If it's me and my wife there, I'm going to go to the door instead of her. Yeah, if it's like a stranger who you're not I'm just expecting. frustrated, Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just, uh, I this guy's like a little snake. Does he just drop the signs on the ground? Man. He carries them with him, like throughout the end of the scene. I don't know what he then. He probably like hangs them up on his wall. By the we way, did. his job he he works he works at a gallery that seems to be like Christmas smut is their thing. That was really weird. Yeah, the whole like installation at his gallery. I, it was very strange. Is it just like a short term? Uh, yeah, it's just uh, seasonal. Like an exhibit? I, I don't really get it. I don't get what this guy's doing. And also, why is he so sad? Like, find find some happiness or, like, a better way to separate. I don't know. And at the end, when she when she kisses him, she runs out on the street and ki- gives him a kiss, which I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's the best thing to do for... No, for that's a, not... I was going to say that's fucked up. It's not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's like giving that's him the wrong... Up. That's the wrong impression. And she's fucking it's married. For a newlywed. You're going to you're gonna cheat? <laughs> yeah. You're going to give this guy a kiss when he's like a weirdo freak stalker and you're just going <laughs> to chase him out on the street and give him a kiss and then go back to your husband who happens to be his best friend? I mean, you can't do that. Come on, Kira no. Knightley. That's not okay. And then he says after that, he says, okay, enough now. And it's like, do uh, now, now, now you're, you're good. moving like, on. Now you've decided, like that's <laughs> the, all you needed. The wedding didn't seal it for you. Okay, <laughs> right? Like take some hints. It's over, man. Really tough, sign guy. Do you think that sign guy is beloved on the internet or hated on the internet or just like it's just neutral because he's good meme fodder? I don't think it's like really parsed too much. Like what his his actual role in the movie is. I think it's kind of like oh, it's so sweet that. He said this and like without hope or agenda, like, oh, that's really nice. And on Christmas, you tell the truth. I don't think anyone has spent too much time thinking about him, Um, (laughs) but he sucks. (laughs) He does. He does. I agree. Andrew, thank you so much. We are now moving on. And next up, Kate Hallowell here to discuss Liam Neeson and his son. His name is Sam. I already got it wrong once. He's just, <laughs> he's just Jojen Reed to me. Totally. I know I had to write it down because I was like, it's just little Game of Thrones his, kid. His name is something Sangster. It it's is, Thomas Brody Sangster, I it believe. It just doesn't matter. He's no. just Jojen Reed. Who, who should have come back on Game of Thrones and didn't. I agree. I really liked him. Um, I, he's, Jordan and I discussed <laughs> that the three uncomplicated storylines of this movie, two are sad, two uncomplicatedly sad, Laura Linney and uh, Rodrigo Santoro. Terrible. Right. Very depressing. Yes. 
Emma Thompson and uh, Alan Rickman. Terrible. Very upsetting. Really sad. Really sad. Just awful. She handles it like a true champ. She does. Shout out to Emma Thompson and her character. And three, Liam Neeson and his son, Jojen Reed. By far the most developed character arc of this movie. Well, it does start off... If rushed. (laughs) It starts off on a fucked up beat, which... It does. Which is that Liam Neeson's worried that his stepson is just, like, overcome with grief about his mother dying. Right. (laughs) It turns out he's just overcome with lovesickness. With puppy love. (laughs) With puppy love. With a crush on this girl in his class, uh, which is absolutely precious. First of all, I just want to say, Sam may be one of the cutest movie kids of all time. He is really cute. He's so cute. He's little, like, tiny pixie face. He's got the big coats on the whole time. He's so cute. He also... Learning to play the drums is, like, pretty adorable, if awful for Absolutely. parents. But, like, cho- <laughs> choosing to be to learn the drums and, like, just, like, make a ton of noise right. in the room. Everything, everybody has doors really cute. Yep. They do Sam well. They do. And Sam is just a gem. I know Liam Neeson is bad now, but he's great in this movie. Is he bad now? Yeah. He was canceled. It's fine. Oh. We don't need to get into it. But Daniel this, is great. This movie is really tough. A man in attention on this. It's very tough to take on face value in 2019. Right. We're, like, quasi-doing that here on this podcast, but, like, we can acknowledge... Amanda and I did acknowledge how fucked up the, like, power dynamics are between Hugh Grant and Martin You're right. There's a a lot here where, like, if you think about it, like, from a 2019 perspective, is not great. Alan Rickman cheating with a subordinate, also not cool. Colin Firth and the... uh, Aurelia. Aurelia, also technically problematic. Yeah, that's not great. There are a lot of... It's fine. It's, you know... I will say, like... (laughs) Some movies don't stand up to the test of time, but right. you can still enjoy watching them. Totally. And it's I think still a classic. That's, that's the thing about Love Actually. It's like, you, yes. you can still enjoy it. it can, and, and, and because there are so many plot lines in it, it's easy to just ignore the ones that you're like, nope, not anymore. Totally. And this is like by far my favorite plot line in the movie. And that's the one where like, if it's on cable and this, this part's on, I'll be sure. like, okay, I'll watch these parts and then I'll like flip to, you know, like keeping up with our Kardashians for like everything else. What do you think is the is the takeaway message of Sam and, and Liam Neeson? I mean, first of all, just a great dad-son yeah. relationship. Also, stepfather, stepson, not often seen in movies. No. And he's just so supportive of Sam's interests. Like when Sam's like, oh, I have a plan and they have such a fun little back and forth. And then, you know, he's telling him about his plan to like learn the drums to yeah. woo this girl who, by the way, is a star. The Mariah Carey cover? Yeah. Incredible. Olivia Olsen, as Jordan said earlier in the show, she was just on the X Factor Celebrity. Yeah. And didn't make the cut. Tough. Very tough. But she has this. This will live on forever in history. It's excellent. It's really excellent. Also, how great that the airport scene at the end goes to kids. Incredible. However, this is my, I have two nitpicks about this this plotline, which again, is great and perfect. The timeline of Love Actually is like four weeks. Yes. They're burying Liam Neeson's wife when they first appear. And by the end of the four weeks, they have both moved on. (laughs) He's dating Claudia Schiffer in the airport at the end of the movie, who, by the way, was paid $250,000 for for her cameo in this movie. Um, Incredible day's work. Yeah. I mean, iconic, really. But it's four weeks. Incredible. So that's tough. This they are the ones that are definitely that like won't be lasting. Really shoehorned. It's his, it's his rebound. It's okay. Yeah, right. That's true. It's his grief rebound. Right. They're kind of shoehorned into the timeline of this movie that like makes sense for everyone else. Sure. It doesn't really make sense for them. I think Jamie and Aurelia's storyline also does not really. Fit You're right. Timeline. The timeline is is tricky there. Also, like, why did he? Who goes on vacation and at the beginning? I mean, I know it was forced as a result alone, at least as a result of his wife cheating on him. Right. But like, who goes on a early December vacation? <laughs> yeah. You're 
unless like you're Santa and you're like, I need to like rest up before yeah. delivering all the presents. Yeah, I, uh, that doesn't check out either. My other thing is this movie starts with 9-11. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, this child is running through TSA security. His dad's just like, this is a good idea. Like, I'll just let my son run through an airport unchecked through these newly reinstated security measures right after 9-11. It's true. It doesn't make sense. Good point. The fact that there's, like, politics in this at all just really messes <laughs> things up. It's a really up. unnecessary inclusion. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, like, you love an airport scene, but, like, the fact that this movie canonically takes place right after 9-11, maybe, like, an airport scene isn't the way to end it. Maybe, like, traffic getting to the airport and you kiss catch yeah. her on the curb. Yeah, like he, like he's running on the sidewalks or yeah. something. There yeah. are a couple other, like, famous movie s- scenes now where you're like, couldn't happen anymore, like— Right. Friends. When also Ross runs up to try to stop Rachel. Right. TSA has ruined movies. That's the take, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there it is. We found it. Yep. Liam Neeson and Son, good. TSA has ruined movies. Bad. Correct. Yep. Kate, thank you so much. You're so welcome. And now I'm joined by Amelia Wedemeyer. Talk about Bill Nye's character, Billy Mack. And Amelia. Yes. Do you, is Christmas all around you? Do you feel it in your toes? <laughs> You know, I listened to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You for the first time today. So I would say yes. Nice. I have to say, I ushered in the Christmas season last week by listening to the Pentatonix holiday record. And I am. You're a Pentatonix fan? I watched every season of The Sing Off. What? And therefore, (laughs) have been watching them since they were uh, together. Wow. uh, On that show with Nick Lachey hosting. I think it was like 2010. Yes, Pentatonix has been together for like 10 years. It's fucking bonkers. What? It's bonkers. <laughs> Where's the time gone? Anyway, back to Bill Nye and Billy Mack. Um, yeah. Amelia, just to understand, a lot of dissenting opinions on this podcast. <laughs> Do you like the movie Love Actually? You know, I thought like everyone liked it up until recently when you all were— sh- crapping on it. Do you, so. so do you like it? Yeah, I do. I think it's like a heartwarming little story. I don't know. I actually used to not like it that much. I kind mm-hmm. of found it boring. Sure. But now I actually do like it. And I think it's almost because it's like there's so many things that are problematic with it. I'm just <laughs> sure. like, fuck it. I like this movie. Fuck it all. It's a vibe. Right? I don't care. Yeah, it was like 2003. And do you remember like even the lead-in where they lead-in with the whole 9-11 yes. thing is insane. <laughs> Kate also mentioned that. It is. It, it's it's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. I forget about it until I rewatch. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Why are we talking about 9-11 in this <laughs> Christmas movie that I came for for heart heartwarmingness? Oh, exactly. Um, We haven't really talked about Bill Nye character, though I will say last time I was in London, I saw him on the street, oh, and it was tr- what? truly thrilling. That's cool! It was wild. It was right by the Bethnal Green Tube station. It was completely random. He, I love that. He looked super dapper. I love this song. I tried mm. to add it to my Instagram story <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, but it wasn't available through Dang. Instagram. It. It's a banger. It's totally. It's, it's catchy. It's really catchy, and I, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I was originally going to talk about Jamie and Aurelia because I I like that story. Mm. And then I was talking to Jason Gallagher and he was like, you know who had the best, most like loving story in that entire movie? Bill Nye and his manager. And I was like, oh my, I'm stealing that because you are so (laughs) correct. Why is that the best one? Because it's like, it's just like, it's a pure like friendship love. And I just, I stand a good male friendship. I, I agree. I call professional colleagues who are also close friend buddies. It's like a very specific thing. Sure. Yes. It's like they're buddies. Like not, totally. not only do they work together and have a good working relationship, mm-hmm. but they also love each other IRL. They're buddies. It's really it's really cute. Definitely. I used to point to, of course, the Ocean's Eleven crew. as, uh, And yes. then there was these two basketball players, um, 
Steve Francis and Katino Mobley, who were, who got traded together, and they had like matching outfits and matching cars. And I thought it was cute, but yeah, it, it is true. It's like he's like the the most obvious dick in the movie, right? Billy Mac, <laughs> yes. But he's actually like kind of the easiest to root for, and also like maybe the best depiction of what a over the hill rock or pop singer is like when they're just like, I'm just doing it for exactly. the downloads. <laughs> Get me to number one, man. He's, like, the most problematic, but that being that, he's, like, actually not the most In 2019, he's no longer the most problematic. Exactly. He's way, way, way below Alan Rickman and Hugh Grant <laughs> and Billy Bob Thornton. It's not even close. So true. And Sign Guy. We, we just sign guy. eviscerated Sign Guy for his <laughs> creepiness. <laughs> but he deserves it. Sure. No, that is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just, like, Billy Mack, you know, he's upfront about his— like creepiness and weird and and the whole ploy to get money and on the charts again. And he has some really great quotes too. Like yeah. the whole Britney Spears. What does he say about Britney Spears? <laughs> they were like, the best shag you've ever had. And then he's like, Britney Spears. And then like his manager's like, Ugh. and then it cuts back to Bill Nye and he's like, no, she was rubbish. And, which <laughs> I just love. I love that. Oh my God. Just stomping all over Britney Spears' name. <laughs> yes. Are we supposed to think that he, that, that character did Shag Britney Spears, or is he just saying that for the attention? I think saying it for the attention. Yeah, he's just he's just out here trying to get get attention. Yeah, actually, he's a wild card. It's the most forward yes, storyline of the movie. It kind of makes the most sense in 2019. Totally, which I never would have seen coming. Here we are, though. And he also has the whole um when he's on like top of the pops or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, oh, kids, stay off of drugs. And then he's like. Become a pop star because they'll give them to you for free. <laughs> just like gem after gem. Uh, you would just see him just like kind of camping out <laughs> at a hotel near the BBC radio, show up for his appearances yes. when he needed to. Hit like hung over other times. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. That is true. There's some, there's, that also is the flip side to the terrible friendship of Sign Guy and True Television 4. Like <laughs> yeah. clearly, like they, that's messed up. They, so, it's so messed up. But then also, um, the guy who goes and meets January Jones and Alicia Cuthbert, who goes to oh, Wisconsin. Oh, yes. Him and his friend, they're not that close either. It's yeah. Like, it's like the actual one nice friendship. It's true. Truly. And then at the end when he's like going to Elton John's party, but then he's like, I can't enjoy this without, yeah, without he, you. He needs his dude. It's so great. And then the manager goes in for like a handshake and mm-hmm. Bill Nye's character is like, no. And then they hug and it's just like beautiful. <laughs> it's like we love a good Friendship. I completely agree with you. Right? I, I really do. Good, thank that's, you. That's also why Emma Thompson and Liam Neeson are nice. It's like a nice friendship yeah, as well. that's a great— They seem supportive of each exactly. other. It, it is really lovely. I have to say, I think my, like, most important opinion about this movie mm-hmm. that, you know, I've, the course this podcast has really helped me get in touch with mm-hmm. is really that— the Laura Linney, I'm I'm like just so, so traumatized with the Laura Linney storyline. I find it, like, unbearably sad. It is dark. You could just cut it out wholesale. It's true. And there would be no difference whatsoever. It's, and like, it would brighten the movie by 10% because <laughs> it's so dark and upsetting. It is. They, they don't really interact with anyone else except for the one scene where she interacts with um, the brother. Alan oh, well, no. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Just yeah. in general. Like, that's kind of like, I'm like, was that a mistake? I think it cut, maybe they're like, we had, they didn't think they were going to get Laura Linney. And then, and then they, they then they did, and they're like, "Well, I guess we'll have to throw her in somewhere." Because everything else that's problematic has something redeeming about it, like Hugh Grant and and the woman who works in Ten yeah. Downing Street. Like they're cute. <laughs> right. She also seems to actually kind of the upper hand in some ways. Totally, though, still an abuse of power for him. <laughs> sure. 
Alan Rickman, at least Emma Thompson seems like a great mom, and mm. everyone's just like, Alan Rickman, he's an asshole. Like, that's fine. <laughs> the Jamie Norelia stuff, I, while nonsensical, is sort, I is sort of sweet. I, Everything I has a sweet. sweetness to it, ultimately, mm-hmm. even the really, like, clearly sad stuff or messed up stuff. There's some kind of sweetness at the heart of it. Totally. Like, Liam Neeson gets together with freaking Claudia Schiffer at the end. Yeah, I mean, like, everyone ends up, like, mostly happy. Right. Except... <laughs> Except for, like, Emma Thompson, not that happy. And really, yeah. Laura Linney. Laura, I mean, that was just, the tone shift and everything was so just out of nowhere and just dark. It makes me grab my face in, in <laughs> anguish. I'm so upset about it. <laughs> Cut that part out of the movie. <laughs> True. You know how they'll do, like, an extended edit of yes. movies? In this case, let's get a new cut of Love Actually. Yeah. And let's cut out Laura Linney. Like, that plot let's line. Let's do it. It's got to go. There's Honestly. No sweetness to it. No. They don't even actually have sex. Like, it's just such a—they don't even get there. It's they just, don't even get there. It's, it's such a bummer. And the whole—the the brother thing. Or it's na- very sad. And I'm like, what? what's with the brother now? And it's just like, yeah. God, it brings down the whole mood. And that's not the mood you want to be in for a freaking holiday film. I completely agree. Let's cut it out. Let's cut it out. Give us more Bill— Bill Nye had fun. Like truly. Actually, that's a good question. A parting question. Which of these characters do you want a sequel from? The Bill Nye character. One hundred percent. I set you up for it. I fully set you up for that. But like, who else would you pick? I think Hugh Grant and and his potential wife is the other one. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe like give her. Maybe she could be the next prime minister. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she's an MP and he's like a stay at home dad. Love that. That'd be cute. I love that. But really, what I really love. A Bill Nye Christmas. <laughs> Give me that movie. On that note, we thank you for listening to this special Ringer Dish Roundtable. We'll be back on next week. And on Wednesday, you've got Jam Session with me and Amanda. And on Friday, there's Tea Time with Amelia, Kate, and Liz. Thanks again for listening. Listener.